0: This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Some nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, a weekly podcast where we talk about, well, we rewatch and recap television shows you really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept and characters could be used in role-playing games. I am your host returning from a short break uh, with a new series of the podcast. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined uh, by someone who is currently installing a piece of cyberware onto their back and it seems to be quite painful. Uh, say hello, Afif.
1: Oh, beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. Ah, it hurts.
0: <laughs> That's pretty much how it sounds in every Cyberpunk game, isn't it? It's like whenever you get new technology, it's like beep, boop, beep, boop. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's how I run my Cyberpunk games.
0: I should hope so. If it, you, Cyberpunk doesn't have a lot of beeping and booping, what's even the point?
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, how about you introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Because I know who you are. Um, the, the three listeners that have met you in person know who you are but the other three don't uh so they may be interested in finding out who is this person who is suddenly on their airwaves and why did you choose cyberpunk edge runners for us to talk about
1: well i chose cyberpunk because you suggested it and i thought I that'd definitely,
0: be a great idea this de- throwing me under the bus in the first episode i appreciate that thank you
1: uh, i just, i'm all about that like seo cyberpunk super hot right now let's That's just right. talk about cyberpunk I... Um, no, I'm a, I'm a game master, a uh, mm. game master for hire, Ooh,
0: and yes. I've been
1: playing mostly D&D for a good couple of years, mm-hmm. mostly now, now predominantly a dungeon master rather than a player, and more recently been branching into other games and systems, including Cyberpunk.
0: <gasps> See, I feel that this is why you need to be the one to, to talk about Cyberpunk, because I haven't played it. You have. Okay. I've played it in the very loosest sense, yeah. Have you played the video game as well? i play played a bit of the video
1: game. And then Life.
0: And this is when it becomes a podcast about video games instead of TV, just like the panel. <laughs> Deep cut uh, joke I for those who attended Oz Comic yeah. Con. <laughs> uh, so, what was I going to say? Oh, that's right. Uh, quick quick plug that this episode is brought to you by Masters of alchemy the premier game mastering service uh, in Melbourne um, a creative and exciting way of, of having role-playing games. We are both dungeon masters there Hooray, go us uh, but we are talking about cyberpunk edge runners which is available on Netflix and most specifically we're looking at episode one today let you down which this is the episode where after a night of streaming illegal brain dance David woke, wakes up to reality a run down apartment with a broken washing machine and an overworked mother. That feels very cyberpunky to me. The um the idea of
1: Absolutely. Just everything sucks. Just yeah, everything throws sucks. You right in there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, well let, let's delve into what is cyberpunk to you? Like what makes a game or a show cyberpunk?
1: Oh, uh, well that's a tough one. It's yeah. there's an issue as well of that whole or well, like it's called cyberpunk and the whole genre is called cyberpunk, so Yeah. And we had this discussion as well before. I'm like, well, if it's in Cyberpunk, then that's Cyberpunk, and then yeah. anything else is
0: wrong. But <laughs> If it's in the show that's named Cyberpunk, it must be Cyberpunk. No, I feel that's a little... Well, it's not facetious, but it's not quite accurate. Like, I feel that Cyberpunk... Punk in particular is the key word in it. Cyber is just, like, the excess, like, defining what the... That it's going to be technology and, like, corporations and stuff. The punk part is the important element to the to the genre to me
1: yeah but then there's also that issue of well there's so many different types of punk and it feels like well what does punk even mean anymore you know
0: yeah i'll give you that what do you think of we're, getting, we're getting real
1: we're getting real off topic here yeah. good
0: <laughs> that's well this is the thing because so many different role-playing games can be whatever you make it and if you're deciding to run a cyberpunk game what type of themes are you looking to have in it right um,
1: well there is like as a side note I always really like the idea of like retrofuturism and how yep. different yeah different time periods envision the future and stuff and obviously mm. cyberpunk has its origins sort of back in the in my mind it's more of like the 80s and yeah um, kind of the synth synth vibes like especially the aesthetics and the colour schemes
0: as someone who uh, was there um, <laughs> it really is like a 1970 late 70s early 80s feel to it or it yeah, certainly and there's was also what they that, believed it would look like.
1: Yeah, and there's uh, something I think that's quickly going away is that, like, analog feeling to a lot of technology mm. and just how, yeah. how hands-on a lot of stuff is. and Like, yeah, let's touch stuff and pull buttons. And, yeah, that's what you do with buttons, right? You pull them? Yeah, you pull buttons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that they're starting to go back to. I was looking through the rules or the jumpstart for Cyberpunk Red, uh, and they were talking about how in it seemed like in older editions, the Netrunner... Was able to just kind of be off location. They had to, they could just sit in like a bathtub somewhere and go onto the internet and do the run from there. And in this version, they have to actually go on site and do it themselves.
1: Oh, so I can actually answer this. Um, Okay. Cyberpunk Red takes place earlier in the timeline.
0: Oh, go. Then the
1: previous edition, the previous one was 2077, I believe. Okay. And then Red is 2040 something.
0: Right, 2046 or something. Yeah. Why Why is that?
1: Well, I think, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I think part of the reasons why you've just listed, um, you know, just room to play with, right? Um, okay.
0: Interesting, interesting. Because I like, one of the things I really liked about this show is the little calling feature that keeps coming up, this regular thing that they have where they can actually be doing something and they're just calling in their brains and they've got like pop-ups coming around them. And it does feel like the you're walking around in the internet, even in the real world. Like that oh, feels yeah, like that's, Cyberpunk that's to cool. me, where the, the cyber technology is inside your head and inside your mind and it, it's that augmented reality feel to it.
1: It really like bleeds and overlaps.
0: Yeah. And to me that feels that feels very cyber. The punk aspect to it, for me, has always come because of what the characters need to do—that they are fighting against a system. Like that's kind of the punk feel to me. In, in yeah, and that's iteration. a pretty
1: universal. That's a pretty universal thing as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Everybody every, hates somebody. <laughs> everybody hates somebody, but in punk systems, particularly cyberpunk systems, they're often the people who have been pushed to fr- the fringe. They're the, this is why they're edge runners, that they're on the edge of of society and they're the ones that have to... Or in the case of Shadowrun, which was heavily based on cyberpunk, it's just with magic as well, that they're in the shadows. I'll try to limit my amount of um, of cyber, of Shadowrun references because that's what I grew up on. I didn't really know cyberpunk as well until I got right, right. older. So Shadowrun's like my, my doorway into this. And they're the people who are trying to change... They're the ones that are trying to go from where they started, which might be with nothing, to being the biggest name on the block, to being the, the toughest person in the world. And that seems to be very punk aesthetic in general. They might be trying to change the system entirely so that they're on top of it, or they might be trying to tear down the system, but it's very much them raging against it.
1: Raging against the system.
0: Raging against the machines, man.
1: Oh, the machine. We've tied it all back together.
0: Well, I think this is going to be something that comes up. It's certainly something that I've noticed in the the show, in Edge Runners, that one of the elements of American punk in particular is the live fast, die young, leave a beautiful corpse aspect of punk. Yep. That you go out Uh with a, a... You're a firework, basically. You just go off with a massive bang and everyone remembers your name.
1: Yeah. And I think that it, it also overlaps with that kind of very American dream uh, idea of like rags to riches and you yeah. know, everything sucks, but hey, there's a chance that there's a tiny chance that maybe I could, I could be the one, right. That yeah. rises above it all.
0: But I, I'm the one that changes everything. Yeah. I'm different. I feel that there's a difference in, um, in British punk. Where it's a lot more about, hey, everything sucks for us because we're at the bottom of the barrel, but if we work together, we can change the barrel or we can get outside the yeah, barrel.
1: Yeah, it's like it's it's tearing down the big guys so that yeah. they're kind of with you, sort of in the dirt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I feel there's a very this is cyberpunk Edge Runners is very much that American aesthetic. But looking at it, I felt very much reminded of Judge Dredd.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. One hundred percent.
0: And a lot of this was I, was, I was watching this first episode, I'm like, fuck, this would be an amazing Judge Dread role-playing game for the world to put it in.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's a yeah. lot. Uh, Judge Dread is a great source of material as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. But just different styles. Anyway. So, yeah. quickly going through, we'll just have a quick rundown of what happens in this episode. It's sure. pretty basic. It's very much an anime origin story. To me, I feel it drew on, a, drew on a lot of anime stuff just as much as the traditional yep. cyberpunk uh, aspects. You know a lot about anime? Uh... <laughs> oh, look, I, <laughs> I don't say I know a lot about anime. I know a lot about anime tropes.
1: Sure, sure, sure.
0: Simply because I read a lot of tropes. Yeah. And I go, oh, how does that relate to anime? And they're like, <laughs> it's from this one. Oh, so I'm like, I don't fair. know what yeah, that that's, means.
1: That's fair. That's fair.
0: And that idea, I, it's interesting because it does feel, well, it's an anime style too. That this was originally written in Japanese, and we're watching the dub version because, you know, lazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, that isn't a point because if people are interested in the sub version, you hope you're watching that instead. Good for you. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, good.
1: better get that one out early just in case anyone's going to yeah, tune du- out after
0: that. The dub sub one. Yeah, we're well, not going to fuss about that. Uh, but basically, it's about a guy called David. Um, he loves to watch brain dance clips of people dying or from the point of view of somebody who's just about to die. They, I think it starts off with somebody like in going through cyber psychosis, which I'm, I have queries about later on in later episodes, but that's fine. Um, basically watches a guy get killed, uh, wakes up and he's like, cool, goes off to school. Um, his mother's a trauma team, um, medic, paramedic, yep. I assume. Which, kind of oh, one
1: of the like, elite paramedics, yeah.
0: Yeah, I love the idea of trauma teams. I'll get through the rest of the, the synopsis yeah, yeah. and then, I'll, then we'll talk about trauma teams. Uh, so she's a trauma team medic. He heads into school because they're poor and he's basically asked this this uh, ripper doc, this dodgy cyberware dude to install new software in his, his chip uh, so he can go to this prestigious school which actually shorts out everything and he's getting bullied because of it because he's poor and his mother's like no 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 it's fine we'll pay for all the damage it's all right uh but it turns out he's a bit surprised by that but anyway he um they're then in a car accident which is not good or well, I say car accident an edge runner team like has a hit on a suit in a limo which they're collateral damage for yeah uh, and she The trauma team shows up to collect the suit Realises that these two injured people Don't have insurance and leave uh, Did You said this so- was uh,
1: inspired by American
0: Punk? Yeah, I don't know I don't know why that would be It doesn't seem It doesn't <sighs> seem wild. Contemporary at all uh, But that actually means that she dies Later on in the episode Because she doesn't have enough insurance to pay for it She was stable this morning But then her vitals began to nosedive Really out of nowhere
1: But you said the surgery was successful
0: true but only so much we can do on the discount package worn down as she was i doubt she'd have lasted much longer overwork seemed to me Uh, anyway i'm supposed to tell you we offer some burial options people in night city want corpo gigs for a reason kid greetings valued customer we are sorry for your loss to ease things at this difficult time we can deliver the body of your dearly departed to your home or to a funeral home would you like to learn more? And it's like, well, we can't really do anything about it because you only got the value package, uh, and that means that he uses David decides to use a, um, basically a military grade piece of cyberware that he found in her jacket after her last day on shift. That's uh, called the Sand Devastan. Is that right? Ugh.
1: Yeah, Sand Devastan. Such a cool
0: Sand- name. Sand I don't. I, why is it called that? Do you know? Is it just Absolutely
1: cool? no idea, but all right. we can talk about, yeah, we can talk about the naming stuff because I love all the names for things and yeah.
0: Yeah, so after, after a moment where he gets beaten up, beat up by the school bully um, and then later on the bully actually calls him up after his mum's dead to be like, here's your sympathies, but also she was a whore, <laughs> which is fucking hell. They really want you to hate this guy. Anyway, he goes back to the, the Ripper Doc clinic and is like, no, no, I'm not going to sell this to you anymore. I'm going to get you to install it in me. And that's kind of where that first episode ends. And I have so many questions, but it really does drop you right into this world.
1: Yeah, and like... I think over the course of the whole series, what it does really well is tread that line between... Because obviously there's so much to the world. Yeah. Um, but it treads that line of, of showing you enough to like get you in there, but without overwhelming you at the same time that it ever being too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel that there's a lot of questions still around there, but you're always following David's story, and you're seeing as much as information as David needs.
1: Yeah, and as much as you need as the audience as well. Yeah, it's just yeah. Here's not we're not going to tell you too much stuff. It's like here's the important stuff, and yeah,
0: yeah. There's like a character in the last two episodes or something where I was like, the fuck did you come from? Why? And I think they get mentioned earlier, but it's like a couple of lines. And they show up and like, this is this, should I care about this person? And it's like, no, I shouldn't. But they exist in the world of cyberpunk and the game that's been created. So, yeah, they show up because that's the realistic thing. But you don't need to know because to the main characters, they're just some random dude that showed up. Yeah, that's it, it's just kind of <laughs> happens sometimes. And that's, I mean, that's great for world building for a role playing game as well. If the, the game master has all this information at hand, you can create those things. You can say, yeah, and the train lines are actually, it's like a monorail, but reverse. It's more like a cable car monorail. And that Ooh. looks cool. But you also start to wonder, well, why is it like that? What kind of world is it that needs to have this thing in the, like working like that? Why do they need that space? Exactly, I assume they drive exactly. on top of the, the train lines.
1: Yeah. Although when you mentioned the, the phone calling stuff and you brought yes. it up earlier as well. I was wondering just some of the specifics as to how that worked. Like, so you, is it's just video calls and you don't, you can't screen them. They just come through like regardless. Well, I like, thought they were work? like
0: instant messages. Oh, uh, like a recorded message? Sort of, because we hear them say it and it's um, it comes up on the screen for us to read as they're saying it. I'm wondering if it's a little bit more like it's the data link through your cyber eyes that you probably got installed. Like everyone has these put in at birth or whatever, just because yep. you've got to have it in this world. And I'm wondering if it just kind of pops up as a little heads up display, but you actually hear them speaking as well
1: like a personalized, like a text-to-speech defined by that specific person's identity. That's an interesting idea. Yeah,
0: but it works as a telephone call so no one else can hear it because it's just in your head.
1: Yeah. Um, Speaking of phones as well, I I noticed something towards the end of this series, we're just jumping ahead, but they seem to speak differently when they're on the phone towards the end of the series at times. Yeah, they've got a a very
0: specific way of speaking, like... um, I'm not sure if it's different lingo or if it's just, like, chat speak.
1: Yeah, but I felt like it it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, it should have come up soon, I don't know. No, I feel that they...
0: I think they'd been using it all throughout, but you may have only noticed it at the end, because I did notice that there was some slight differences when they were talking net speak, as it were. Yeah. Uh, They're, like, saying good, good. Um, And it felt like a weird verbal tick that they have as people, but it only occurred when they're on the phone.
1: Yeah. Almost just like, like lag or like packet loss kind of thing. Like, a- yeah.
0: <laughs> but one of the other yeah. things that they often like actually typed out the little apostrophe when you drop the G off something. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's just like a thought process of, like when you say I'm going to go do this. It's like, if you're typing it out, you type, I'm going to go and do this. But maybe that's just kind of working out the, this is a thought coming through. It's not exactly speech. It's not exactly typing. It's just direct communication.
1: Yeah. And that kind of brings me as well, just to bring it back to to D&D and role-playing games.
0: Wow. um, First guest who has ever actually tried doing that. (laughs) I'm kidding. Well, I'm
1: one kidding. of the things I loved throughout this series is, like, the language and mm. how much that adds to the world building. Oh, yeah. And immediately, when they were just, they were throwing out this slang and this lingo, like, oh, chum and, like, gonk. And I was like, I have no idea what this means, but it's so cool to hear them saying it. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to like know, what it, wanna like know what it means. I want to just start saying it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, I'm going to start, start calling stuff Nova.
0: Well. I, like, I like Nova as a word for cool.
1: Yeah. And that's, like, a great thing now that I'm just going to try and put in as many of my games as I can, you know, in different cities and things like that. Are you going to steal it directly races.
0: from this, or are you going to have, like, slang for all the different races?
1: I'm going to steal it directly from this, but pretend, okay, like, cool. I don't know, I have like, not watched that.
0: <laughs> that's probably better, because I feel every time someone tries to make up slang, if it's not adopted by a community, they look so fucking stupid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you do it in a fantasy game where you say, "Oh, well, the whole city talks like this." You have to, you have to talk yeah. like this now.
0: We'll finally make fetch happen. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it. It came in um, particularly the next episode. So we'll probably talk about it then when um, when it comes to language, because there was very specific feels to it. But speaking of that. Um, that culture aspect, that they have their own slang, they have those things that never really explained. Well, not really explained, but, you know, just accepted as part of the world. The way people treat David um, as... It's like, they, they don't care that he's poor. They care that he's an outsider to this corporate world that he's trying to get into. And that yeah. kind of aspect of... They... Play on it quite heavily this time, just to say you're so far outside, but that's the way we only really see it. But it does seem like just the world is stacked against him for everything that happens in this episode. And it's perfect building the stakes against the character.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so much on that. Even just the, you know, there's the simple things like, oh, he's Martinez as well. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like uh, his um. mother calls him Miho, so obviously they're they're uh, Latina. I mean, it's set in California. It's like why yeah. wouldn't they?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But it just the the idea that what she wants for him is to work his way up through the company, and this is a way of him being good. And it's like she clearly makes a bit of cash. Um, because she's quite happy to pay for his schooling and all these things and works the hell out of it, but they live in this squalid apartment. Like, he's Which, in the. It
1: seems like every apartment looks like that. Yeah, that right? It, it is. It's, it feels, <laughs> a
0: little, feels a little bit like every apartment's like this. It feels like um, the fifth element, where yeah. he basically lives in a, a cardboard or a shoebox. It's he's like a prefab. Yeah. Yeah. Like and they've got to pay for the washing machine, like ha- like the entire load. And if they run out of money, it just stops. Yeah, I just wouldn't wash
1: clothes myself, honestly. Yeah, I feel I just... that's probably a better one. I- I'm guessing <laughs> that's a low to... down
0: on the priorities. Like, <laughs> I'm guessing there's like a rule at his school that you've got to be clean at all times. Yeah. Which again, why do you even have to go to school? Why can't you do it from home?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, the yeah the clean clothes for school is another kind of nice bit of world building there. Yeah, um, perhaps. But perhaps that was the reason, yeah. Um, and even when well, he then,
0: shows up at school and they say you're out of uniform, he's like, yeah, my clothes are in the wash. And it's like, don't you have spares? They're also in the wash. And like, okay, cool. Like, they seem forgiving about it, but it's like, but it is noted that you are breaking the rules. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
1: Your absence was noted.
0: Um, but
1: then, yeah, showing, like you were just saying, showing up to school, it goes back to that kind of analog technology feel where it's like, oh, we have amazing technology that can do All these other things, but, Mm -hmm. you know, video conferencing, nah, we just, it's not enough. We'll we'll go in person to, like, jack in or whatever it is they're doing, like, to plug in.
0: Well, it seems to be a lot technologically, it's technology for the mind and for the body, like, directly into it, but you have to actually be there physically. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole level of what is meat and what is metal and what is the mind in shows and books and stuff like this. And that's, again, a theme of that you can bring into a role-playing game. It's like, well, what exactly is the person that you're being? It's like, are you just the meat sack walking around? Are you the spirit that goes on astral adventures? Are you the person that creates magic? What is this? But that's that's like a whole philosophy thing if you want to delve into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just looking. I was trying to find out if they mentioned the year it was set in, like in-universe.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if they did. I don't think they would because there is a lot of stuff around. Like, I would assume that it's 2077 since it's cyberpunk and ties with the game, the video game that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, of course, is based on the RPG that Afee's that played and I haven't.
1: <laughs> played once, yeah played once
0: that's more than me i've looked at the the rules a little bit i've been trying to find the cyberpunk red rpg book um just in the last couple of weeks and it is sold out everywhere. oh month. yeah i've
1: been looking around as well it is just sold out yeah all over the place
0: it was literally just a moment yesterday i was like yeah i'm sure everyone's got it back in stock by now and i checked nah it's gone everywhere <laughs> should have grabbed it when i had the chance which was like yeah. three weeks ago so so other aspects of this world that are interesting, things about um, being able to just kind of slot a chip into your neck and have skills, which is a very Matrix feel to it as well. Matrix drawing heavily yeah. on cyberpunk ideas. Um, how did you feel about that? Well, if it weren't playing a cyberpunk game, how would you try to get that feel in, say, a traditional fantasy one?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Well, my first thought when I saw that was that seems very unsafe, right? It's like, you get
0: told, you find a random USB stick, like, don't plug it in your computer. Um, Well, isn't that the point? Because that's what David gets when he tries to upgrade his software to, to go to school. He gets a shitty piece that crashes everything in the school.
1: Yeah, but it's like... They kind of draw this imaginary, it's like the rules of the world, right? They draw these lines where it's like, okay, this stuff, like this stuff could be sketchy, but these other, you know, data chips or whatever, they're just totally fine. Like everyone will just take one and everyone will just put one in in their neck. Like no questions asked.
0: Those are the Um, official, well, those are the ones that are made by the corporations and the corporations are always good for you.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it's like, it's like those are the rules of the world as well, right? And it's like, maybe that doesn't really make sense, but... As long as you're consistent about that, then you know people will just okay. That's I guess that's how that works, and people will just roll with it. Yeah.
0: You know what it reminds me of um, for D and D and more fantasy ones? It reminds me of potions.
1: Potions is probably yeah the closest I can think yeah. of.
0: It's like you go to somebody and like yeah this is a healing potion. You're like great, I'll pay you money for it, and then you walk away. And it's like, <laughs> is it a healing potion? Are you just like selling some dodgy like snake oil from the back of a truck then? <laughs> That's going to mess you up as soon as you take it. Is it a potion of poison instead? It's like that's how you get your parent players paranoid. If uh you really Yeah, are. I
1: feel like potions are almost like a protected item. Like no one checks potions. No, I've never had players check potions to see if they're actually the, safe only time, on it. They just assume. the only time
0: I have players check potions is when they find them in a dungeon. That's when they're like, "Oh, I'll taste it and see what it does." I'm like, "Well, it's probably not the best idea, but all right." <laughs> Yeah, or
1: even just, like, watered down, you know, or, like, you know, some sleazy guy is just trying to cheap out on the ingredients, and it's just, yeah. a, like, a crappier version.
0: And you're never going to find that out. And like, let's say he's got three potions. Like, here, test this one. Like, yep, that's a potion of healing. The other six are just colored water. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those problems for, for D&D, particularly now that D&D Beyond is a thing. Uh, because right. inventory has, you know add in potion of healing. So you add in potion of healing. And if they go, if the player then goes, okay, use this potion of healing. You're like, which one they're like, I've only got like, (laughs) I've got four of them. What do you mean? Which one? And you're like, Oh, well, one of them doesn't work. Okay. (laughs) It's like, you have to reveal all the, the secrets that make a fun little, little game master enjoyment of the game, Um, which is not as much fun as when it's written down. When you've got a piece of card that just says, blue gem taken from Orclair," Lair, it's like, okay, that seems cool. I'll have to go figure that out later. But when it's D&D Beyond, you've got to actually have, it is this thing that they can then attune to later on if they want to. So they can add it to their inventory.
1: Uh, And that does kind of touch on, sometimes... There are things that just don't translate super well, you know? Yeah. And you've got to pick your battles like, ah, well, it's a cool idea, but it just wouldn't work. So hmm. knowing when well, to drop stuff, yeah.
0: That's something I actually wanted to to bring up from what what the episode does. After David finds this um, this Zandeviston in, in his mum's uh, jacket... He kind of tries to sell it. He's like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. That seems low, so I'm not going to... It seems better than that. And he actually then does some research on it. Like, finds that it doesn't have a serial number and it's like military-grade tech and all these things and it's worth so much more. And that, to me, felt like something that players have to do more often. Like, they found this sword and it's like, all right, cool, it's a sword. It's got an inscription on it. What do I know about that? It's like, yeah, well, you've got to go and find someone. You've got to actually research and find out... What is this thing that I've just found in an aukleir?
1: Yeah, and not trust the first guy they try to sell it
0: to, who, who yeah. knows
1: exactly what it is and what it's worth.
0: Yeah, I've got I've got a lot to say about Ripperdoc. Honestly, I think he's a great character. <laughs> it's fucking—he's like screwing this kid over all the time. Like even he's selling him basically snuff videos.
1: Yeah. <laughs> What, does it establish how old he is? Because I think that was a, a, another thing, I, a question I had about like the world of cyberpunk. It just um, doesn't I don't seem think, like a world with kids. Like
0: I'm not sure if it's this episode. No, it's next episode. It's the start of next episode where it's determined that he's 17.
1: Right, so he's that magical kind of middle,
0: yeah, middle in-between
1: to- age where it's like, yeah, the oldest we can get away with.
0: Yeah, pretty much. It's like he's he's technically a grown-up, but not really a grown-up. Again, very um, anime feel to it. That he's a child in either an adult's world or an adult in a child. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with with that. But the the teen male protagonist who then loses his entire family is very... Oh, yeah. ...hero's journey, honestly.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking about that... That incident with his mother, the the drive-by, and that yeah. whole thing. And I really thought that it would come back later. Like, no. you know, there'd be like a, a freeze frame where he, like, catches a glimpse of the driver. And it turns out, you know, that guy is... That, it's like, that guy that run. we saw. Yeah. The,
0: well, I think that's the point, that it was just a meaningless thing. Like, this was an everyday occurrence. This just yeah. this shit just happens. It's a random um, encounter. You rolled a
1: random encounter on the table and it turned into a a big story moment.
0: Yeah. Well, we see this like he's walking to school past where the guy he basically brain danced with died and where his mother was working. He's just walking along there. Yeah. It's like this shit just and it's not like a big crime. No one's like going, oh, my God, that's where the guy went cyber psycho and, and killed all those cops. No, he just he was just there. It's like no one pays any attention to this stuff. It feels like a GTA world, honestly.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And, like, he's going to school and there's other trauma teams heading over to deal with, like, a a massive apartment fire. And he just, like, kind of looks over and goes, sigh, and looks away. (laughs) So, this is a massive emergency that half the city can see. And he's like, yeah, seen it.
1: Yeah. Um, and especially those, like, little kind of vignette slice of life where every day he's going through the same routine.
0: Yeah, following um, the same route. And he's got, like, you see all the same junkies and pervs and drunks and everything around him. It's just like, this is just every day.
1: Yeah. Um, but I guess it does kind of bring out because it does a really good job of showing and not telling Mm. um visual storytelling which again is not something that you can necessarily take and translate into an rpg
0: Mm. or you can try it's trickier but you can do it oh please explain well let me get on my high horse and explain some things (laughs) um because you're a game master and you're always going to be telling people what they see it is it feels a little bit like you're just telling them but there's those elements of showing. It's like, if you're walking down a street and suddenly you get mugged in the middle of the day and no one does anything about it, you've just shown the people what type of city it is.
1: That's very true. And I have done that. I've just yeah. realised. Yeah.
0: It's like, I literally had a game last night where the party got in a bar brawl and one of the people they were fighting ran outside and the druid had turned into a bear, chased him down and ripped him to shreds. And I had people around being like, oh my God, call the watch. And it's like, they now know that if they're going to be in combat, they've got to keep it indoors and they've got to keep it hidden. Because this is a place where actions yeah. have consequences. And it's not just we get to have gang wars on the street. The gang war is quiet because we don't want the attention drawn to us. And that's the, the showing, not telling.
1: Absolutely. Although I think it, it brings up another interesting point of... Because you never want to overwhelming players with information either no and it's like i could sit here and describe every inch of this room you know but it's not you usually just stick to the stuff that's important but at the same time there's that meta knowledge that they're they're working off and can't avoid thinking about you don't want to just mention the the glowing kind of chair that's an interactable object you know
0: the glowing doorknob t- <laughs> of where the next yeah room like is you can tell be it's been
1: rendered like differently it's not a background texture yeah.
0: I have had that backfire on me a few times where I've d- described a lot of things for flavor so that they don't fall into that trap, which means they check all the things I described. Yeah. And like he described it. One it of must the be big, important.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's one of the big troubles of just like treading that line of, and that balance between, yeah, telling too much or telling too little and something to think about constantly. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Dungeon masters will always overthink how much we tell people. But you you need to have that that information. Otherwise, how are they going to know? One of my favorite adventures that I run has... They go into a library and all the books have been taken off the shelf except for one in the corner. Um, And the one in the corner is where the book they need is. It's also a mimic. And that's why the books haven't been taken off that shelf. But it also just feels like, why not that shelf? And it's very clearly to draw their attention to it, but their attention would have to be there for other reasons anyway. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no one ever questions why there's why the books are still on the shelf. They just see the book they need. <laughs> I like that. Going to steal yeah,
1: that. It's been fun. Like, like any it's good. It's been fun. Yeah, using any good dungeon master.
0: Yeah. Yeah, dungeon master, steal. It's it's just what yeah. you do.
1: All the same. Um, did we want to talk about the cyberpunk RPG?
0: I think we'll talk about it just over in in general. Yeah. Um, you're going to have more to say to about it than I am. I think. Uh, since you've played it and kind of know the mechanics better. How would you say this rela- like compares to what you know of the Cyberpunk RPG?
1: Well, what I will say is that the group that I played it with, they wanted to play the Cyberpunk RPG as a result of watching Edge Runners. Okay. And, yeah, to a degree, there was not quite the fulfillment of the fantasy, I think. mm mm-hmm. um, Specifically, just like the the and it, obviously we played a very watered down version. We played something called easy mode, which is like a free set of rules. Right, it's got pre made characters. It's all of that. Um, and yeah, I think the the big things were like all the net running stuff. There wasn't mm-hmm. really any of that, or even just the like high levels of augments and just cyber cyberware attachments and all the all the bits and pieces. It was a little bit kind of like shooty shooty. We just got guns.
0: Yeah. That does feel like what the... Like, what I've seen of it, that feels like what the um, experience of playing the game would be like. Yeah. That it is... Basically, you plan heists, which evolve around the net running and the cyberware to a great extent, and eventually you get caught and become shooting.
1: Yeah. Uh, me- but there me, wasn't the, me- like... No, oh, we've so, so hyped up on augments that we can just become superheroes. It wasn't quite that, yeah.
0: No, I thought, as watching this series I'm like, I feel like this is this is a special case. This is very much saying this is out of the ordinary for the world as well. Yeah. But I
1: think uh, hey, even even beyond just David, but the the rest of the gang who yeah aren't the rest in of this the episode crew yet. That yeah, we,
0: we eventually made, the rest of the Edge Runners. Well, that's kind of yeah. the thing that they are they are special. That the group that we saw take out the the suit on the on the freeway when his mother gets killed, or you know gets injured. That's what the regular Edge Runners like. That's the group you're playing as.
1: Yeah. Yeah and i'm not sure if there's a point i'm trying to make here but that's no no just... <laughs> but i think
0: that's just a, a good way of describing what the experience was like yeah
1: and and it was good and there was lots of it was very interesting and there were lots of good things to take away from it as well but i think if if anyone i guess my advice is if anyone's coming from watching the show um it's not necessarily going to translate exactly over
0: yeah yeah i i was wondering about that like whether there was a potential to actually build the characters you see in the show through the RPG or whether it's like, like we'll see in most um, systems. Like when you have a superhero system, you can't really build captain America or you can't really build Batman because they're super, they're, they're like, yeah, it'd be, high it'd be level overpowered. T- high tier. <laughs> it's like, you're not starting at level 20. You're starting at level yeah. one. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I reckon that might be it for this first episode, unless there's anything else you wanted to say specifically about um, about let you down.
1: No, I mean it was a pretty straightforward episode. It's yeah. very, it was like it was like a slowish start, you know, to, to ease you into the the very complicated world of cyberpunk. It yeah. Did what it did, but yeah.
0: And I think that's what we will do. Previous series of D and D and TV, we have done more of a standard recap of every episode given that these episodes are pretty short and it is a self-contained story of just the 10 episodes, we're just going to give you the broad strokes and then talk about, you know, the bits that we liked and what we wanted to bring for, well, what, clue, what inspired us for other RPGs. Um, so definitely recommend watching yourself. There is, however, one thing that we will keep doing, and that is picking a character from the episode that we just watched uh, and talking about how we'd make them into a player character or an NPC. It is going to be a bit more predictable given that some of these episodes have like three characters yeah and it's just the same three so to give a FIFA break i'm gonna go first i'm gonna pick david as my character for this episode oh, i was
1: gonna say oh okay sure you,
0: you can pick david as well the only thing is we can only pick them once per series that you yeah, well, so, what i was
1: thinking is that well i don't know if he comes up again later but the the school bully
0: Oh, Katsuo, <laughs> Katsuo Tanaka. Yeah, yeah, and he's got
1: he's got the weird punching style as well, which is really. Oh, funny. his
0: his chest bump punch. Oh my god, yeah. that was I did not even know what was going on there. I'm like, is he just like broing down now?
1: That was okay. a very funny, um, like anime moment of just like it the was. excessive punching and yeah.
0: Yeah, and he's even slotted
1: an anime chip to do it, and just talking talking about it the whole time. Like, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, it was wonderful. Don't you know you're Kung Fu? It's like... Yeah, very just, like, yeah. self-aware. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. Like, I can see him being a really good antagonist or just, like, joke character for, to, to fight. He's the traditional bandit captain who's like, no, no, you're meant to destroy us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm still going to stick with David uh, sure. simply because he is the standard PC origin. It's like, he's got dead parents, he wants to make something of himself, he starts at a low level, he's able to make mistakes, like, he makes a lot of mistakes in this episode, but he also has his vague dream of, I can do better. And uh, just,
1: absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's just he's just a good character. So my pick's David, and yours is apparently Katsuo Tanaka.
1: Yeah, I'm looking now, and apparently he's in the next, I forget, he's in the next episode, because that's when he gets
0: beaten up. Oh, that's right, he is too. <laughs> but he's not, as, he's not as vital, like the beating up and the bullying like calling calling David to bully him about his dead mother and being poor <laughs> like that's the inciting incident for David to be like no fuck this shit I'm gonna go and get chromed up through
1: here heard about your mom I'd offer my sympathies but find it hard to sympathize God only knows what she had to endure to send her delinquent son to an academy he doesn't belong at her methods couldn't have been noble she died in a car accident. So day. But you know, karma, there's a lesson in this, David. Your mother tried to live beyond her means and died. Don't make the same mistake. It also makes you kind of wonder, though, like, is this guy really such a dick or is that just the world? Like, is that just a normal thing that happens in Cyberpunk? Like,
0: No one comments on just... <laughs> And David yeah. just seems to kind of accept it. So I guess it kind of just is.
1: (laughs) All the, the, you know, the YouTube comment section are just come to life and everyone just talks like that now.
0: I'm just wondering if it's just, it's so minor in the level of how fucked the world is that it's just like, no, I can't even be bothered. And this is like the last straw of, (laughs) oh, I stepped in a puddle. (laughs) Like that's the level of getting bullied about his dead mother by the school douchebag. I don't know. I, I, I think it's great. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we will wrap up for this week. Uh, thank you for listening. We do really appreciate it. Please come over to uh, Podbean if you want to leave a review. Or you can leave a review wherever podcasts are found. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Gets us out to more listeners. Uh, you can also come and find Afith and I at Fortress in Melbourne. Um, every weekend on Sundays. Booking is essential. And we can run games for you. Uh, because that's what Master of Alchemy does. We run games for people.
1: Yep, I'm there. Yep. You are there.
0: It's it's fun. We promise. We won't bite. Uh, what else do I need to say? I need to say that you can also get in touch. Uh, if you'd like to ask questions, you can send me an email, dndntvpod at gmail.com or Instagram and Twitter, which is at dndntvpod. Uh, Afif, have you got any socials that you'd like people to find you or would you like to Absolute- stay anonymous? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. not social media at all. Smart. Stay off the net. Stay yep. away from the cyberware jacked into your brain. That's the best uh, way.
1: Yeah, not going to get
0: chromed up. So if you see, uh, if you have any questions for a send them to me and I'll pass them along. Uh, until then, uh, stay safe. Thank you so much for listening. Be kind to yourselves. Uh, Wesley, crush it out there. And may all your hits be crits.